Futurized goes beneath the trends to track the underlying forces of disruption in technology, policy, business models, social dynamics, and the environment. I'm your host, Trondar Neunheim, futurist and author. In episode 58 of the podcast, the topic is Building the Southern California of Tomorrow. Our guest is Bill Carpo, CEO of Octane, the accelerator in California and general partner at Visionary Ventures, a growth stage fund. In this conversation, we talk about how the newly formed Innovation Network of Southern California in SoCal is building the Southern California of tomorrow. We discuss how to build any innovation ecosystem, what the ingredients are, how to adapt to local and cultural dynamics, and how to thrive and grow. We also muse about ecosystems of the future. Bill, how are you today? Good, Trond. How are you? Thank you very much for having me. Um, I am doing great too, and uh, this is exciting. So, so Bill, I wanted to to go into a couple of things. Well, first off, you know, you have an interesting background. Uh, we're going to talk about Octane, which is very exciting. Where uh, you know you you run Octane now. But uh, you've done a lot of different things in, in, in sales, M&A, investor relations throughout your career. You attended Villanova University uh, and you worked for Xerox, you know, famed uh, corporation for, for 13 years. Um, so you've been in the, the office solution market for, for a long time. What would you say, Bill, you know, has been the most interesting thing that has shaped your career? We, you know, I think it goes back to a little bit of the different uh organizations that I've been part of. And you know, starting with Xerox, you mentioned that. I mean, probably one of the best sales organizations to have started your career in the in the in the 1980s. So I feel like that that established a good baseline. I then moved to Icon Office Solutions for 18 years. So you, you're correct. I spent 31 years in the office equipment industry. And that seemed to really make an influence on management and management skills and MA and all. And then spent some time at Blackstone as an operating partner. And there it's the rigidity of investing and art, you know, return on investment for investors. You know, and then Octane's kind of just, you know, allowed me to assimilate all of those things together, you know, in one, in one complete skill set. I mean, I'm having the time of my life. I'm enjoying what I'm doing. Uh, but I've got to say the person I am today is a culmination of, of those three previous places that I spent quite a bit of time at. Great. So we're here to talk about innovation ecosystems, but before we do that, I think it makes sense to to get a little overview of what Octane is, because you know innovation ecosystems could be many many things, but I guess uh, and you correct me here, but what we're talking about is a regional innovation system, an organization um, that is an alternative. Of course, you know everything is always compared to Silicon Valley. You guys are you know, in California. So of course you're being com- compared to Silicon Valley. There are some uh, more tenuous comparisons being made, you know, in other parts of the world. So I guess we'll have to address that question. But but also it does beg the question, you know, what is even an innovation ecosystem? How, you know, how do you go about creating it? What is it that you have done there in Southern California? And, and I guess starting with Orange County, you know, wh- why did you take this initiative and what has happened and what are um, the essential components of an organization that tries to foster innovation in, in any locality? 
So let me let me open the question up to that, and then and when we can take it a little little from there. So w- what is octane first of all? Yeah. So you know, octane uh, octane as you look at it is a bit more complex than you would think, and complex meaning it's quite a bit that we do. There are quite a bit of areas. So let me just take each of the four and you know take two or three minutes here and, and give you a high level view. So the the first component is what we call octane ignite, and it's really the legacy organization that was formed in 2002. And, you know, as, as I think you, you and I have discussed, I joined the organization in 2015. So, you know, I ran for, for, many, for many years as a, as a successful organization before I joined. But Octane Ignite is really all about uh, convening the ecosystem, convening organizations, and providing great relevant content thought leadership. Generally, up until this year, on in-person events. And we could talk later about how we've obviously had a pivot out of necessity. Um, the second is really our foundation, which is where our accelerator sits, So, uh, right. which is called Launchpad. So I'll refer to that at some point, uh, probably several times during today's discussion. And Launchpad uh, basically works with companies that are in a late seed or series A round. So it's an, it's an established startup, still generally pre-revenue, certainly pre-profit, but has at least formed itself. And we're helping we're helping them accelerate their growth and we're helping them plan uh, for their first institutional real big round of funding. And then the, hmm. go ahead. Just a question here. I'm assuming the accelerator was not the first thing you built, right? So it was a, the convening uh, organization was the first element. And then was this the kind of the second? Yeah. You know, that's, that's a, that's a really terrific point. And I'm, and I'm kind of, as I go around these, they're in sequence and how they came Okay, so they are yeah. a sequence. So, Perfect. So 2002, the convening component was 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 created. Launchpad was not until 2009, and it really took until about 2010 to get up and running and have some traction. And since that time, so in the in the in the nine years ending 2019, we've run over 500 companies through the accelerator and helped them raise over two and a half billion dollars you know, billion with a B, wow. uh, in, in, in primarily venture funding. Um, and then around, uh, you know, I'd say in the 2014, 2015, we started a forum, greater relationships with investors and we made it more formal in let's say 2016 and formed octane capital where it's strong relationships with institutional and strategic venture money. It's a private investor network. Uh, Octane uh, was the founding partner of Visionary Ventures, which there's there's two funds on right now, uh, Fund One and Fund Two, um, both invested in quite a bit of companies. Those are specifically in the op- ophthalmic and medical aesthetics industries. And uh, very soon in the next week, we'll be introducing another fund called Elevation Ventures, which will be more general. So that's the mm-hmm. third leg. And then the fourth, which was which we just put in place October of last year, is Octane Enterprise Solutions. And the basis behind that is to really provide ongoing growth capital, operational expertise that will help companies grow, shared services, and a talent match. So OES, as we call it, Octane Enterprise Solutions, is all about speed to capital and speed to revenue. So to your point earlier, these have all built off of, uh, off of each other and become somewhat evolutionary in our journey. Hmm. 
Um, before we go into some of the more specific components, because I'm really curious about, uh, you know, how each of these work and also, you know, as you were thinking about or as as the organization grew, you know, what, what were the, the the reasons why each sort of component was was added? Could you just situate for us a little bit? Because, you know, many know where Orange County is, but it's not clear to me that apart from the fact that it's, uh, I guess, uh, you know, outside LA, a lot of people may not realize how important uh, the physical layout of or where some somewhere is in terms of how, how you have to organize a an organization around it. So give us a sense of what Orange County looks like and, and how that has shaped, uh, well, what it physically looks like, but also the kinds of businesses that are in Orange County, which I'm assuming must have been the starting point, right? Before you even think of an accelerator, you, you, you were starting with the existing businesses there. Yeah, and I think that's an important component is that it, as you're building an ecosystem, you really need to build it around the organizations, the industries, and the dynamics that exist, and then accelerate them up. You, you don't necessarily want to recruit things in from the outside. You want to build what you've got. So Orange County has always been rich on the medical side. And you know, one one small step back. Everything we do is tech or or health tech oriented. Uh, so it was very heavy medical device uh, for the longest period of time, and there's been evolution uh, in terms of industry and in terms of the reaching of pharma and the, the the tech components. So if you looked at industries, let's take health tech for a moment. Uh, what we focus to is device, is pharma, is biotech. The industries that yeah. we focus on are ophthalmology, medical aesthetics, cardio, and neurology. Yeah. And this is the epicenter yeah. for innovation in ophthalmology uh, globally. So that's what Orange yeah. County is really well known for. Um, on, the, on the tech side, it's more around fintech, cybersecurity, data analytics, and esports. I mean, those are the those are the three industries. And then when you start to talk about things like SaaS and AR, VR, and, and now AI and emerging tech, those really cut across all the industries. They do, but they still they still sort of make sense to me as I'm thinking of the surrounding area to LA, because even AR, VR, right, it makes a lot of sense that around Hollywood, there there is this, uh, you know, increased sensibility for for, uh, you know, reality making and, and digital filmmaking and, and stuff, you know, like that. So, so that, that all makes sense to me. So would you say that in the early days of this network, you were very focused on basically just furthering the opportunities uh, of, of uh, the med tech scene or, or, or even, even maybe more limited, like you said, to ophthalmology and, and, and the networks around there? And then how did you think to expand it? Was that a natural evolution of the area or was it more a strategic decision that Octane in itself has helped shape? Well, you know, I think, let me, let me take each part of those uh, of that question because I think it covers quite a bit and it's a great topic, is just the physical layout of Orange County, for those that don't know, it sits in between LA yes. and San Diego. It's, it's, it's right. the smallest of the, of the three counties, but sits right in the epicenter. And, uh, you know, both L.A., as you mentioned, is known for, for Hollywood and for film production and for defense. And, uh, you know, uh, San Diego on the uh, emerging tech sides and very heavy in biotech and things of that nature. So I think as we look at this, one of the things was that that 
Octane really started is very centric to Orange County. That was it. And we, were, we were creating an ecosystem inside the four corners of Orange County. And when I joined the organization in 2015, what I started to hear was there really isn't an ecosystem here. And I actually started to buy into it as I, as I began meeting with people. And what I found out was there was a great ecosystem here. It just hmm. was dysfunctional to some extent and wasn't intuitive. And why did people say there is no ecosystem here? Do you think that a lot of people were feeling uh, a loss of something that they have experienced elsewhere? So, I mean, of course, there was some ecosystem. Or wh Why were they saying this? Because that it's something, you know, I've traveled the world uh, looking at different innovation ecosystems, and they all have something to them. Uh, it's almost like everywhere that something has been created, you were able to, in some way, establish this collective idea uh, idea that you know we have to stick together because there's something I guess we're lacking that we want. Was there this sense? I mean, was Octane built around this perhaps misguided sense that there was no community, or 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 is that sort of just peripheral to this? Well, you know, it's uh, certainly I wasn't here in 2002, but when I speak to the people that helped create it, it, it I think it was yeah. built around a sense that there wasn't community and there wasn't a connection between innovators and the overall community. What occurred over several years is different organizations popped up and did many different things. You know, one of the things that I'm proud about is we, we have yet to find an organization that end-to-end -end does those four components that I mentioned that Octane does. But what you really, when, when, I, when I talk about the fact that there wasn't an ecosystem, what you found is there was dysfunctionality, there were silos, and there was competition. There wasn't collaboration. Yeah. There wasn't necessarily teamwork. And everybody was looking inside. And I've, yeah. you know, I've I've looked at this now and said collaboration is needed in anything that you do. But collaboration without some form of leadership is chaos. And and that's a bit of what we had. To, yeah. to further that, there was no collaboration with LA or San Diego. So you actually almost had three separate ecosystems going in three separate ways and then things spinning inside of each of them. So one of So tell me more about that because that's super interesting to me also because I know the distance involved here. And you know, I've also lived in and around Silicon Valley. For instance, I lived both on the Berkeley side and, and you know, and I've lived in the city in San Francisco. And I know even in what's called Silicon Valley, there's all of these borders, for instance, you know, between San Francisco and the Valley and between Berkeley and the Valley so, and then Central Valley. There are all of these kind of geographical distinctions, although people from the outside think it's all Silicon Valley. So how did this in an area which you're now describing, which I, I'm imagining to be f geographically even larger than the one I'm talking about up north, or, or perhaps I'm wrong. How did this sense that, because what we're going to talk about uh, soon is your new initiative, right? The InSoCal initiative, or I don't know exactly how you say it, but the fact that you're now really... Well. <laughs> Did I? <laughs> okay. But you're really uh, able now to draw upon these three counties, uh, you know, together, which is no small achievement because as you said, for decades and decades, there really wasn't the sense that you've, you live in LA, you live in LA and, and, you know, and, you know, what are you talking about? San Diego, I'm not going to take a meeting there, you know, 
or, or I'm traveling there, which is different. Yeah. So, you know, there's a, there's a distance component, but I've got to say, be, being somewhat familiar with this, I don't know that traveling from the East Bay down, down deep into Silicon Valley is any more difficult than it is flying, you know, you know traveling from LA to San Diego. No, and that has changed as well, right? It's gotten ridiculously yeah. congested. Yeah. So, so it's not the physical distance anymore. It's the infrastructure. But we actually, what we, what we looked at was, was so let, let's call it Northern California. And the, to the external individual, Northern California, Silicon Valley is just one big ecosystem that all seems to work together. Inside, of, yeah, 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 as if they all, yeah, yeah. all work together, and, right? That's the other. And I, and I mean, this, the the other one that we used as a model on this was really New York. I, I mean, when you when you look at the New York innovation ecosystem, you don't say, well, does that exclude Long Island? Does it does it exclude North Jersey? Does it exclude Connecticut? It's all of those things all in one. It's not just Manhattan, and so. That's where we started to look at what was a missed opportunity was we actually had competition going on between Orange County and LA or Orange County and San Diego. So some of the yeah. preface was how can we put this together and at least externally package Southern California as a unique and interdependent ecosystem that works together. But Bill, when you say competition, can you unpack that for me because what does that really mean you said we had competition with san diego do you mean like when government decision makers came along or like in all speeches and stuff you were like adamant about presenting orange county numbers versus san diego numbers i mean how does competition really translate in in this kind of regional marketing game what, where do you see this competition was it that you were not big enough on the statistics because you weren't able to include San Diego in your innovation statistics? Is that the frustration? Or was it directly that you sort of felt like you were competing for deals or attention? And, and where exactly does this attention matter that you now are kind of folding into, into under one umbrella? Well, I don't, I don't think it was so much, I don't think it was so much deals. I think what this really boiled down to was the support, the corporate type support that you need in building an ecosystem. What you end up having is quite a bit of nonprofits. And so you had fragmented nonprofits going to the same organizations, asking them for support, and they weren't really combining their efforts, you know, from that perspective. So the So you mean it was financing this because it, what it is is you you are a networking effort that takes a lot of resources to pu pull off. So you're saying you were all competing with the, your events. You you were sort of subscale in terms of being able to convene a critical mass for each topic and that kind of yeah. Thing. So you know you you mentioned events. I mean that's a great example where we we have a we have a terrific med tech and and separately a tech event each year. But there were other components all around the ecosystem. So one of the things that we had agreed upon, uh, talking to kind of comparable organizations in San Diego and LA for this past year, was let's do an innovation week. Let's not have LA do something. A month later, Orange County through Octane does something. A month after that, and you know we're trying to draw people in. Let's 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 do a platform for an entire innovation week. Now, it unfortunately didn't work out because of COVID, uh, but that, that sure. was really the only reason. And what it would have been was a, a week, six days, that we would have been able to draw people, I think, on a much bigger 
national and international scale to come see the entire ecosystem, not just one organization's event. Tell me a little bit about how you think uh, as Octane and yourself about critical mass and sort of how to achieve it. And, and if, you, if you can kind of reflect a little more broadly than, you know, for, for people who might be interested in building or who are building these ecosystems, because this idea is not new, but I would say everybody who tries to build an ecosystem will inadvertently face challenges because everything is different. And, you know, I'm assuming this was, I mean, you're telling it now a little bit like a linear story. Like we came to these conclusions and, and, you know, and then we achieved success, but surely to get there took a while for this organization. I realize you came in in 2015. So some of these discussions predate you, but what is critical mass in, in this kind of innovation game? So is it um, the number of people at your events or is it more than that? Is it, the fact that you now can, uh, you know, unify these three regions, what does that give you, this kind of size? What, what, yeah, what is the value of that? So as you, as you look at that, I don't know that it's so much people that attend your, your event, but it's people that you have inside of your, inside of your community that you're messaging, that, that's li- that, that are listening to what it is you, what, what's, what's your content and how are you pulling it together? It's pulling together outside of here. So we have, we have deep roots in New York, in Boston, in Toronto. And, you know, we're starting to look globally where, where individuals start to look at Southern California. Um, so mm-hmm. I, th- I think, I think those, are the, those, are, those are really critical. But we've also felt that it's important to build the best version of yourself. That's a theme that we've yeah. had because, again, I had a lot of people that asked me when I first joined Octane, and it goes back to one of your earlier points is, hey, do you, do you want to create Silicon Valley here? Well, first of all, that's somewhat of a ridiculous question because even if I wanted to, I couldn't. It's not my position yeah. to do that. No one person could yeah. do that. And right. we may have talked about this at some point, but it's it's a fool's errand, I think, because they, they have such a head start on, on, on everyone. So... Our, our mantra today has been, let's be the best version of ourselves. And if that happens to be number two behind Silicon Valley, that's probably good enough. And, and you know, let's, let's, let's build a better version than some of the other upcoming ecosystems that are around the country. And in doing that, pull it together and ensure that we have the, we have the collaboration of LA and San Diego and really go at it with full strength. So... Mm. A metric that we use is job creation. It has an economic impact, mm-hmm. but it's 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 capital that's raised. It's, it's companies that are created, capital that's raised, and ultimately jobs that are created. And those, you know, it's so interesting when you speak uh, in in many other countries around the world. The kind of function that you are taking on is a would be construed as a governmental function. Yeah. Have you have you thought about this? Well. Yes. And, you know, it's, we, we, we are in a very unique place in Orange County that the, the lack of local, or frankly, even for that matter, state and, and government, federal government funds is fairly limited. So, uh, you know, if I, if, I look at, if I look at New York City or I look at Boston, they've had tremendous support from the state because there, there's only one location. 
and certainly from the city. The city of the city of Boston, the city of New York, can put millions upon millions of dollars and resources into building an ecosystem. One of the one of the one of the challenges we have in Orange County is we have thirty seven different cities, and yes. and the and the biggest one that doesn't even come close to comparing to any of those other larger ones. So yeah. it, it's a it's a built in uh, inhibitor to really secure a lot of government money uh, from a standpoint. I mean, so California has its own financial situation and, and crisis and, and uh, challenges and issues. And we do receive some money from the federal government, though, through the SBDC. They support our Launchpad Accelerator. So, hmm. uh, Yeah, I, I am curious about how you finance this whole thing, because as you're like lining up these four different legs, um, all right, fine. The venture fund, I realize, you know, you must have LPs from all kinds of places. So eventually, if you have a brand and people believe, you know, this venture fund has has deal flow, that I can kind of understand after a while, you know, with credibility of the network. But for the for the whole rest of your activity, where does the financing come from? You you were pointing out that it's corporate sponsorship. So you have been over these uh, few years been able to lock in true uh, kind of multi-year corporate sponsorship deals? Is that how this network is financed? Yeah, there's really, there, there's two primary components that make up about 95% of our funding. So I, I won't get into the other 5% because it's, you know, it's, it's not a huge number, but out of that 95%, uh, you've got about 50% of it that comes from events that we hold and 45% comes from annual corporate partnerships. So it's a, it's a mid-size or a larger corporation that is investing in the ecosystem and wants to see the ecosystem do well, uh, but at the same time expects some kind of ROI from that, from that perspective, whether it's branding, whether it's their content, their thought leadership, um, whether it's learning, whether it's being exposed to potential investment ideas. Uh, but that's really been the model for many, many years. And it's been, a, it's yeah. been right at about that that 45-55 split. Um, how, however, it, it, you know, three years ago, I came to the conclusion that just said, it's not a model that we could scale. It, it just, you know, every year you're going back and you're, and you're, and you're trying to secure more sponsors. And we, we have 98%, 98.5% renewals. So we do very well with that. But that OES component that I spoke about that we created in October is really to build sustainable long-term revenue. So it actually becomes right. more of a consulting program or consulting platform whereby it's fee-based. And so as we look at this, our plan is that within three years, over half of our revenue will come from OES. So it'll be a, mm. a complete, we will not be as dependent upon the conventional nonprofit model. Doesn't mean that won't be important and we will not still pursue it because we will, but we're building alternative revenue. But, and when you say fee based, is it going to be more subscription based? So to this point where uh, you know the, the, there's this idea about the subscription economy being a, a massive platform business model, right? And uh, and and maybe even everlasting connections being very very important. So you're building these long term ties that enable people to say, you know, I'm going to be in Orange County. I, I need you. You need me. We're just going to basically support this because it's a mutually beneficial relationship over time. Or, or is it basically every, are you charging per event and per activity and per access? 
How, how do you think about well, this? Well, on our, on our event marketing, we, we have sponsors and we charge per event. You know, and I'll, okay. I'll, I'm going to make a distinction here because living in a world where everything was um, in person, it's, it's changed dramatically today. And then it'll, it'll, it'll right. somehow come back to a middle. Um, but if we, if we, you know, if we look at the um, overall component of, uh, of, of, how, of how these things have been created, subscription is also important. And so uh, historically, the, you know, the revenue has come from these, two, from these two sources that I mentioned. And that was very, very important for us. Now, as we build uh, content and thought leadership, and virtual platforms, we're looking at subscription-based businesses. Uh, OES itself, I call it fee-based, and it's really more transactional. So if a company needs assistance in preparing to raise capital, if they need access to specific expertise, like in sales and marketing or commercialization, if they need access to talent, we will do all that and create a consulting model and say for X amount of dollars, we will do these five things for you, you know, from that standpoint. We're, we're even a little right. flexible with it that for companies that don't have the capital yet, we'll defer those fees until they've raised capital. Um, hmm. But you bring up a great point is as we have just entered our strategic planning session, we're now looking at this and saying we're, we are capturing all of our events on, we're recording all of them. We have videos of everything. So, the longer term component going into 2021 is how could we library content, build a subscription model, and then allow people to consume it on demand. So if you're not in person, because we're we're at a point right now that we're we're gonna we're gonna plan that by mid-2021, we'll be back to in-person events. Whether that means mm-hmm. 25 or 50 percent capacity or full, I can't even begin to guess that at this time. But if yeah. we need to do things fully virtual, we're prepared to do that. What we really want to move to is in person with a digital platform that's subscription based longer term and access, have people access that on a global basis. Yeah. Can we go a little bit into the value prop of, of the Southern California innovation ecosystem as such? Because you've told me now that you have pulled this together in this strategic move. And I believe it was around 18 months ago where you formed this network, uh, the InsoCal uh, Network of Southern California, pulled together a bunch of different organizations really from these three counties. Um, and what do you, yeah, what does good look like here going forward for, for this, this network? And what is the value prop pull for, uh, for this new innovation region really? So if you look at if you look at Insacal, first of all, it's the conglomeration of a couple of different organizations. So it, you know, I want to I want to you know make reference to the fact that no one organization leads it. So you know, while maybe we thought about it, but we've pulled together like-minded organizations in LA and San Diego. A word that I'm using more frequently right now, because I think it's more direct than collaboration, is interdependence. Co- collaboration yeah. to me is a little squishy. And everybody thinks that they collaborate. But really, interdependence means my success and your success are based on both of us having a good relationship and and, and creating output. So collectively, and and having a collective impact, the CEOs of this group are all behind 
enhancing and elevating the profile of Southern California. And how do we do this all together? So we attract more investors, we create more jobs, we build more companies, and overall, we retain them here too. You know, we don't, we don't have yeah. them create here. And then by the time they start to scale, they wander off to Northern California or go back east. Uh, well, you see, that's a big issue, you know, certainly in, in, in places where I have studied this, because even, even in places like London and the, around the UK, where they're now very proud of their emerging ecosystem, even there for, for years and years, the problem has been that you start scaling something, you know, in AI or whatever it is, and then it gets gobbled up. That's a, that's a big challenge uh, for, uh, for an ecosystem. How do you handle that challenge? Well, you know, I think... Because capital goes where capital goes, doesn't it? Yeah, you know, and it's, an, like, you know, again, it's an interesting point, Ron. And when I go back to 2015, when I first got here, what we were finding was um, companies were following capital. So if they were, yeah. if they were funded at a Silicon Valley, that investor basically wanted them to move up there or if they were in Boston or whatever. So, and, and one of the, one of the challenges we have as an ecosystem here is capital. That if you, if you kind of look at Southern California as a whole, there's only about 13% of the capital required from startups that resides in headquartered based VC firms in Southern California. If you flip that around, New York has about five times the amount. So they have 500%. So if, if their companies need a billion dollars, I'm just using this as an example, they have 5 billion capital. If our companies yep. need a billion, we have 130 million. So it becomes incumbent yep. on us to go outside and bring capital in, which we've been very successful in doing. And one of the things that we've now proven is through, through um, these interdependencies, we now have proven to the outside world, to the investors, that we could build and grow companies here. So there's not a reason for them to have to move and follow the capital. So while the capital comes that's, in, that's interesting. Yeah, while the capital's coming in, I, I would tell you five years ago, a, a, a majority of the companies were moving out. Today, it's very few. And so that means a VC comes in even at later stages and agrees to leave the company more or less where it is and, and agrees to get on the plane or not uh, to see their company, because that's one of the things that became a truism in VC, right? That you never invest in somewhere where you can't shake up the management team by lunch. And that is the Silicon Valley model, at least the traditional yep. model. So you're saying you're now able to convince them to put money here, uh, you know, with you and leave, leave it there. Yeah. So for better. So in, yeah. in 2019, we don't have final 2020 numbers, uh, certainly. Although we're trending higher, believe it or not, even with COVID than we were in 2019, which was a record year, um, we we helped companies raise uh, $352 million. 73% of that came from New York or Boston. I mean, I mean think of that for yeah. a second. And that's a lot. Yeah. And, 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 and so those companies will come in, make an investment, but feel confident that the ecosystem, the company could grow here. Uh, but what we're finding now, is that VC firm is making a second and a third investment in a second and third company. And, you know, it's also not terribly bad being in a place that people like to get to. And, and you know, there's, there's, a, there's a little bit of a, uh, of a destination component with Southern California. So we've seen very few companies leave because of VC. We have seen companies get gobbled up and acquired though. And, and that's, 
you know, that that's that's concerning when you when you have a company that reaches a leverage point and has three, four hundred employees and all of a sudden it gets bought by another organization somewhere else in the country. And can we talk about this? I mean, I I think we explicitly agreed not to, you know, compare ourselves too much or to compare you too much to Northern uh, California, just because it's, you know, this competitive game is a little silly, but you did point out that there's a location component and, you know, uh, uh, you know, being outsiders to California, m- most of us look at California and we see some strains, uh, you know, definitely very visibly in, in Northern California when it comes to traffic, perhaps climate, uh, perhaps other things. To what extent is that becoming a real migration South? And uh, to what extent is that just kind of pure hype? It's not pure hype. Uh, and I will tell you that it's not something recent either. So, the, you know, this is not an example of, of COVID, of deterioration of, of San Francisco in the past year and, and all of this. This has been something that's been brewing for, for quite some time. We've seen evidence over the, over the past two and a half, three years of companies physically relocating to Southern California. And more likely, we've seen individuals leaving companies up there and just saying, I need to look for something different down here. And then we've seen another bucket of companies. um, And I'll I'll, I'll use one as an example, SAP, that had a very good or has still retains a very good presence in Northern California, but made a very strategic decision that they were going to grow their West Coast presence in Southern California. And that's where their growth Mm -hmm. and their expansion would be, because you've got access to great talent, You've got, believe it or not, a lower a lower cost of housing and a lower cost of employing people uh, that are that are that are more loyal. So we are seeing a migration, and we think some of the social matters that have that have elevated themselves just recently over the past six months or so in in 2020 will only serve to accelerate those going into 2021. So we're we're, so we're here to welcome it, everyone. Yeah. So is it fair to say then that you're becoming a more complete ecosystem as well? Because I think that's another thing. If if you know a lot of my listeners are in the innovation uh, space in in some way, and they're looking at their own innovation ecosystems, many of them travel between different ecosystems. But there's always this question of you know uh, what what is the focus in your area? And you were saying, well, it started out medtech, health tech. It has morphed a little bit, and now you're taking on board more of, of the SaaS uh, things and, and definitely kind of tech overall. How is, if you were advising other innovation networks and ecosystems that are a little either earlier in their evolution or just not at, at the scale that you are, because you, you are now a formidable size, even though, you know, like you said, there, there's uh, you know a, a big player in the north, and there's all these cities on the east coast, but but you know, Octane is now does represent a, a a very large innovation force. If you were smaller earlier, where how do you think about focus? Well, I, I think the, I think your focus in creating an ecosystem goes back to what's already being created there. So. Every yeah. ecosystem has entrepreneurs that are building businesses around specific industries and specific technologies. So that's got to be your starting point versus just saying, I'd like to be able to do this, but nobody here is doing it. So I'd have to recruit people in. So it's really yeah. understanding what's core. We've, we've built out what we feel are six imperatives to build an ecosystem. And 
There right. are the six right ones for us. Uh, they, they may not be for everyone. And, you know, the first one is all about innovation and ideas. It's, it's understanding yeah. building quality, quality and serial entrepreneurs and what are your core technologies and what are the educational institutions that are in the area? And, yeah. I, you know, I, I would take a step back and say, what, who are the key in educational institutions and what are they outputting in terms of students? In, in what industries? Are they strong in engineering? Yeah. Are they strong in, 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 in business? And um, while, while MIT or Stanford do not exist in Southern California, Southern California, in my opinion, has the best university ecosystem in the country. Graduates more engineers, mm-hmm. more computer scientists, and you've got mm-hmm. half a dozen, if not more, universities that you could go through that are very, very top tier. Right. UCI, UCLA, so, Caltech. I mean, the, the list goes right. on. So you have plenty of, you know, they're, they're sort of first tier, but not the first you would think of type institutions. But there's a number of them, obviously. Yes. There's a large number. Of yes. Them. And. Okay, so so it has to do so it has to do with educational institutions and and the innovation, but also with the large organizations you said, right? Because you know an SAP or or, or any company that is large will inadvertently also start spinning out ideas and, and and companies. So so they matter too, don't they? Yeah. So we, we you know we look at this and we say, okay, innovation and ideas is 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 one of the six imperatives. Another is community right. and climate. And by climate, I, yeah. I, I don't mean the weather. I mean, I mean the the individuals, yeah. the large corporations, the local and state government. To your point earlier, and community leaders. Yeah. What's the level of engagement in that community? And you've got to start to pull that together too. So they're 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 kind of pursuing a common good. Um, you yeah. know, a third is is infrastructure. You know, what are the incubators, the accelerators? The, is there lab space? I mean, if you're going to if you're going to be in certain components of health tech, you need to have wet lab space. Otherwise, you shouldn't be in right. it. So, um, you know, those- yeah, and that's costly too, right? To the point, you know, infrastructure is not something that just shows up, right? If you're going to have wet labs. I mean, right now there are wet lab accelerators that are sort of starting to spread across the country, but that's not as easy as like pu- putting up a Y Combinator and saying, you know, we're going to do innovation. Wet labs have to be built, right? Wet labs have to be built and wet labs, to your point, are extremely expensive. And we, yeah. have, we have had sporadic a wet lab here or there, uh, and there's been a, there, there's been a great effort uh, by the by the Beale Family Foundation to create university lab partners, which sits physically um, on on UCI's campus, and they recently built lab space because really up to this point that was a spot that we were losing companies. So we would take a company, we would help accelerate them. They'd get to the point that now they need wet lab to commercialize, and they'd go off someplace else. And actually, frankly, a lot of them went to San Diego. San Diego has very good wet lab space. Um, yeah. you know, and, and, you know, so the, you know, the basis was how do we, how do we build that capability in Orange County? So it's not just in one of the counties across Southern California. Hmm. Uh, but then, and then the fourth leg I understand of these imperatives is, is definitely capital. And, uh, while there still is a deficit in some, uh, to some extent, you, you, you like you said, with, with, uh, recruiting, investors in that believe in this uh, region more long-term and, and don't necessarily pull the companies out too early. That's kind of a way, uh, one way around it. But how would you say, I mean, it's it's always difficult to start 
a venture capital firm. How did you pull that together on, you know, and, and having believe, people believe that it was going to kind of fit under the, uh, this umbrella of, uh, that you had created here? So the, the, fund, that, the fund that we created, um, it, it's an interesting story because our, our, our board basically gave approval to start a venture fund. And, and then I sat back from that. And as, as much as I've had experience in M&A and with in the private equity, I'd never raised a fund before. I never ran a fund before. It's difficult. Yeah. yeah. Right? And, then, and then you say to yourself, okay, now what? Are we just going to be another one of many funds saying, hey, come join my fund, be a limited partner, and we're just going to invest in some really good stuff? So what we decided to do was, was narrowly focus this fund on what what is the – leading industry on a global basis in Orange County or in Southern California. And that happened to be ophthalmology. So the first, the first grouping of limited partners were actually physicians, were actually ophthalmologists who serve to bubble up deal flow, who serve to provide advice. And then you had other well-to-do investors following that. And everybody liked the model of, of, of focus and but no yep. pun intended on ophthalmology, but it was a very focused approach. Uh, and, and then as you, as you start to make investments and you start to have exits and you start to return capital, then it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. So the, the second version of Visionary is already about three times the size and hasn't even closed to new investors yet. So it's still, it's still open and you build upon that success. Um, Got it. And, you know, now, now there's a little bit of a track record that as we introduce something that's a bit different and a bit broader, but Elevation Ventures that I, that I mentioned, that's also focused on the output of launchpad companies. So we're, we're trying to take an approach that says, we're not just going to look at anything randomly anywhere, anywhere around. We're going to look for things that have a competitive advantage and, and, and that yeah. position us as, uh, with an information advantage that lets us make and place good bets. Hmm. Um, but one other thing on capital is the importance of it is I believe that good companies get funded. Great companies almost always do, but good companies can get funded. The challenge is you need to find where that funding is coming from. So one of the things that we've taken personally is a Boston investor, as much as we appreciate and enjoy their investment in a company here in Southern California, let's remember the fees and the profitability and all basically go back to Boston because that's where their LPs are. So it's our innovation that's helping fuel an ecosystem elsewhere in the country. So for that, that's one thing that we've been pointing out to many people. It's important that we've got headquartered based organizations and LPs that are here. So you retain the successes of those companies inside the ecosystem. And then so how have you been able to, to entertain that discussion? Because, you know, presumably you, you then would have to go to capital that either traditionally invested in VC, but invested in VC outside of region, or they didn't invest in VC at all. That, that's a much harder conversation. It's, 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 certainly a harder and it's not easy and if you if you look again at southern california a lot of the investments that individuals who you would say would be the top prospects as lps are real estate investors and they're sure. not they're not used to putting something in an investment that's creating no revenue yet and is an idea i mean they like to they like to walk in their investment they like to touch it they like to see it um 
Yeah. So that's that's a that's a very long uphill slog. Uh, but fortunately, we've had an assortment of individuals in that position that understand the importance of building the ecosystem and the importance long term on what it means to their business also. So that just about rounds up these imperatives, but there was one on growth resources, but that's basically uh, a little bit on this uh, shared uh, services model that you're building and, and, and some of the talent. Yeah, uh, yeah that's, that, that's the OES platform. And really, really where you know, the conclusion we came to is if you've got great ideas that start to become a company and you get them funded, now what? And, and, and so, you know, we really saw a void in the ecosystem here, which is why we stepped in with OES is how could we apply resources to help those companies grow faster and stay here, sure. create jobs and move on to their subsequent growth rounds. And, you know, if we do that well enough collectively, those individuals will have an exit, they'll sell and hopefully they do it all over again, you know, which is the formula mm -hmm. really that Silicon Valley has been built on. Serial and multiple sure. entrepreneurs that are now on their second, third, fourth venture. And I guess that ties into the last leg of these imperatives, the center of gravity. So becoming a center of gravity, which I, I guess we called it critical mass earlier, but it really is that that almost is the linchpin in any approach. Like if you are in that, that's the real sweet spot when you are able to actually get resources coming to you as opposed to just trying to advertise yourself. Can you tell me a little bit about how you even assess that you're about to get there, that you are becoming a center of gravity as opposed to just struggling to convince people that you could become a center of gravity? And, and, and where would you say you are in that journey? Um, probably, probably halfway through it. And you know, I, I'd look at this in two different buckets because one is if you look at Southern California, there, 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 there need to be multiple centers of gravity inside an ecosystem like this, um, but there can't be fifty. You, you know, there need to be there sure. need to be go-to places that you could reside, that you could find capital, that you could find people that will help build your build your business. So, we're in the we're in the process of locating into some type of an innovation center sometime in 2021. It would have happened around now or in the fourth quarter of this year in a pre-COVID world, but this is probably a mid-2021 component. More importantly, and I think to your question on this, is how does Southern California become a center of gravity more on a global stage? And right. that, is, that is about having expertise in specific industries that somebody knows that if they locate their business here, they could grow it. And so we've accomplished that in ophthalmology. There are ophthalmic companies that are created elsewhere that now want to move here. What I'm curious about, Bill, is, you know, what are some of the real and alive startups that you are proud of right now? And, and, and also, ostensibly, what are some of the people that matter in this ecosystem right now that you are uh, proud of, that you uh, are leaning on if they are on the mentor side that really make this innovation ecosystem come to life? Because, you know, Octane is a, is a brand also, but, but behind it is individuals and startups. What are some of the real live figures that are making this possible right now? So it's, it's so widespread. I'll, I'll, I'll cover this. I just hope I don't 
you know, forget anybody, but you know, it's, I mean, our, our, our team is great, but it's the, it's the relationship that we have with a variety of universities. So just, you know, closer to us would be UCI, would be Fullerton, would be Chapman and, and, the, and the other university components. It's the relationships that we have with other incubators and accelerators that will feed organizations into, um, or excuse me, feed, feed small companies into our Launchpad Accelerator. Um, it's many of the bigger companies that have large headquarters here. It could be an Edwards Life Science, a Medtronic, an Allergan, which recently was acquired by AbbVie, uh, Massimo, Broadcom, any, any SAP, I've, I've mentioned them all. Those are, those are organizations that really care about the community. And it's our investors and really, we rely very heavily on our board of directors. We have a nonprofit board. We have we have forty two people, and you know a lot of individuals will say, "My God, how do you how do you how do you have any productivity out of forty two? It's amazing." And and everybody that serves on the Octane board then serves on a, on a on a on a subcommittee specific to what their background is, what their experience is, and how they could bring that and activate that into the ecosystem. Um, you know, there's 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 many companies. I mean, Sinendo is a is a dental company. Recros is a is a medical aesthetics company. Mavenlink is a is a uh, project based uh, software management company. And you know, we look at a company like Mavenlink that came through our accelerator uh, seven or eight years ago. They've got offices throughout the throughout the world and yeah. employ six seven hundred people. So. Yeah. You know, there's a there's a variety of you know of successes. In what, what's Evo Nexus? Evo Nexus is um, uh, an incubator. Uh, you know, primarily in San Diego, uh, yep. has done a really good job in the area of, of fintech and mobile, and great relationship with Qualcomm. Uh, so they they do they do what they're 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 complementary, I guess is a good word to use with Octane. Generally, they're a little earlier stage. Sometimes they're later. So there's companies can go back and forth and use Evo Nexus and use Launchpad or use Launchpad and then Evo Nexus. Mm-hmm. And you know, I think that's the important way to look at the interdependencies inside of an ecosystem. Also, is that there's not you know people will ask, should I use you Octane or should I go to Applied Innovation or should I go to Evo Nexus? And the answer is yes, yes, and yes. I mean, sure. We're all you know the help you can get, basically. Yeah, you, you know, generally those initial discussions are all pro bono. So why wouldn't you use them all? Get all the perspective that you need, and probably a little bit from each is going to make you a better company and a better entrepreneur. Hmm. Can you give me an example of some of the individuals that matter? I uh, I came across t- two people that I think are important in in your ecosystem: Jim Mazzo and Mike Matusalem. Are they board members of uh, of your efforts? Yeah. So so both of them, Jim Jim, you know, it's kind of interesting. Is it's Mike Masalem? He's the he's the chairman and CEO of Edwards Life Science, yep. and Jim Mazzo uh, is is our is the chair of Octane. Uh, and both were two. They were two of the five initial founders of Octane. Got it. Uh, back in back in two thousand two, and so they were very influential. Ed, Edwards is an Edwards is an incredible community partner, and very very active in the community uh, mm. with many many nonprofits. Yeah. And 
it's it's just the culture that Mike passes down. And Jim is just so engaged as the chair, but as an individual. And those are the individuals that we that we really look for. I mean, it could be Clay Wildman or Scott Whitcup or uh, Jim Peterson. You know, any any again number of individuals that have deep rooted relationships. The other thing I'd just like to comment on, if you if you don't mind, is we, we have we have really pushed the envelope on community engagement too, and we feel we felt the year and a year ago, year and a half ago, that that was important, and we put in place a variety of initiatives. And one is a women leadership uh, group. Two would be helping other nonprofits. Three is STEM fellows, and four is an initiative focused primarily on next gen and millennials our next-gen leadership, and let's elevate them. And just as an example, the the Women's Initiative was put together initially to get women entrepreneurs funded uh, on a more equitable basis. And it's really blossomed into helping board roles, helping uh, um, mentorship. And so each of these has taken on a life of their own. And over the last six months, we've seen these social and community things become more important. So what what I love is, we didn't react to them. We had them in place already, and we're just building off of them. And so the sense of community is important. Well, that brings me, I guess, to my, my last question is, you know, as you're looking into the next decade, you know, we kind of got a, a very quick start to this decade with a, a big shocker here. And uh, it kind of launched us into the decade with, uh, you know, with, uh, I, I guess, with a bang. What, what do you see happening to your innovation ecosystem and to others as we are, you know, reacting to the shock of COVID, uh, dealing with this new decade's opportunities and learning more, frankly, about innovation ecosystems and how to build them. Because you could sort of say that Silicon Valley was the only game in town for a while. Every country on the planet clearly now uh, for, you know, over a decade, I would say, have tried to get their act together and start really supporting their entrepreneurs and innovation activities. And they do it in various ways. But the notion that you kind of need a support system around innovation seems fairly firmly now planted. Um, you know, even among people that politically would have thought, you know, I believe in the free market, they realize that support systems, just because these things are so embryonic, no matter how advanced they might become. Um, how do you see this decade unfolding in terms of innovation ecosystems? Are they going to kind of mushroom everywhere because we're now going to need them more than ever before? Are they going to fold because we don't meet, you know, this year and perhaps not next year? Or, you know, if you are looking into the future, what do you, what do you see for your field? You know, I think, I think as you look at it, from an innovation ecosystem component, I think it's the same as looking at companies and the same as I look at our organization is be opportunistic. The strong will will thrive. Those who really want to reinvent, transform themselves and reimagine what the future looks like will thrive. So not every, not every ecosystem is going to survive probably uh, just as every company is not going to survive. And, uh, that's just that's just a matter of where we are as a society, and where we are, you know, in the in the world at this time. We we intend on thriving, growing, and being opportunistic. And we see, again, we see evidence every day of people wanting to come into Southern California. And California's got its share of problems. I mean, uh, you know, the, the wildfires and taxes and all of that. But it is still 
a great and terrific place to build a business that's centered around technology. Sure. Well, Bill, this is this has been fascinating. I uh, am uh, thrilled to hear about the success of Octane as I've been watching you these uh, last few years, and uh, thrilled to learn so much more about how it it actually has happened and and your outlook for the future. Thanks so much. Thank you very much for your time, Tron. I, I enjoyed it. Great. You have just listened to episode fifty-eight of the Futurized podcast with host Tron Arne Unheim futurist and author. The topic was Building the Southern California of Tomorrow. Our guest was Bill Carpo, CEO at Octane, the accelerator in California and general partner at Visionary Ventures, a growth stage fund. In this conversation, we talked about how the newly formed Innovation Network of Southern California in SoCal is building the Southern California of Tomorrow. We discuss how to build any innovation ecosystem, what the ingredients are, how to adapt to local and cultural dynamics, and how to thrive and grow. We also muse about ecosystems of the future. My takeaway is that the future of innovation ecosystems is up in the air. What worked in the past must be continuously adopted attempting to make a poor carbon copy of Silicon Valley. Will is not going to cut it. InSoCal seems to have found a cool networked model where they pool the resources from several existing regional networks and achieve momentum that way. Thanks for listening. If you like the show, subscribe at futurize.co or in your preferred podcast player and rate us with five stars. Futurized, preparing you to live with disruption.